This is The Boys Podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're on the finale. The Boys Season 2, Episode 8, What I Know. Now, remember what I told you. Don't be a... Welcome back, boys and girls, to the finale discussion of The Boys, Season 2, Episode 8, What I Know. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow boys and girls. Remember an AR-15 and meep, meep, no more. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, John. And rounding out this group of misfits of seven of boys and girls and industriousists, I'm Chris. Great to be back on a finale discussion of The Boys. Definitely. Um, Really so, so happy uh, for this show Mm -hmm. and uh, this season. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's been topical. It's been bloody. It's been irreverent. It's been violent. But uh, yeah, it's just been so, so good. So uh, really, so happy that it's got season three as well. And we want to say a huge thank you to all of you that have joined us for our discussions about The Boys Season 2. It's been great getting all your feedback in, all your thoughts, and your reviews. We have another five-star review for The Boys from BusyBone3 over on Apple Podcasts. BusyBone says, this is what you want from a podcast. Five stars, straight to the point, all about the show and none of the unnecessary details about who their barbers are and not needed information about other stuff in general. These guys are focusing on the show and none of the trash we don't want to hear. I wish all podcasts were like this. Just the show and nothing else. Thanks, guys. I'll be listening to the rest of your podcast from here on. Thanks so much, BusyBone. Yeah, thank you, BusyBone. Uh, really great to get your um, feedback yeah. and, and your review over there on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. I think we always say, and it's no harm in repeating it here, um, all your comments are really appreciated um, from anyone, whether it's leaving a review like BusyBone has, mm-hmm. whether it's the feedback, you name it. We're just really happy to engage with the community that we have following the shows that we love. So, yeah, thanks so much, BusyBone. Absolutely, and we do try to keep the podcasts about the shows that we're covering because it's always a big lie when you see people go, <laughs> we're talking about uh, episode 10 of such and such a show, and then they never actually get into talking about the show. 45 minutes later, they're still talking about who their barbers are. I like that. That's a, that's a pointed reference to uh, to someone particularly I don't know, so I presume there's a podcast out there that talks about their own barbers more often than not. <laughs> we try not to talk about that. Thanks so much, Busy Man. If anybody else wants to leave us a review, go over to your podcast, Catcher of choice if it allows you to put uh, put reviews on there i think uh, Podchaser, uh, apple podcasts are the two big ones and stitcher as well uh, pop on over there leave us a review we'd love to hear your thoughts about the about the show especially if they're five star thoughts like those ones we also want to give a huge thank you. It's just after the first of the month, so we want to give a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters who joined us from the 1st of September. Selima Kisler, William Boggs, Dan- Donald Dennis, Damien Roberts, Skyrocker, and Marianne Morris. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Every penny that you've put towards the podcast does go to producing the best show we can. So uh, thank you so much uh, for your thoughtful 
uh, support over on Patreon. Yeah, thanks so much to all of you who've joined since September. It's really great to get your support. Uh, we really, really appreciate mm-hmm. it. It really does help us keep the podcast running in terms of the uh, outlays that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your support is really, really appreciated. Uh, but also, not only can you head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries and support us there, you can support us in any way you want to. Uh, most importantly, is please subscribe to the podcast on your boy or girl podcast catcher of choice. Um, and of course, you can rate, leave a review uh, there. And of course, feedback through as well uh, is really, really appreciated. Yes, thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters. Yes, you help us keep the lights on, the hamsters spinning in their wheels that help us keep our mics powered. Seriously, I have a hamster farm right behind this, the screen and behind this mic that keeps it going. <laughs> have to stop calling me a hamster, Chris. I know, but it's so fun, especially when we <laughs> fill your cheeks full of food and you just puff out. Absolutely, a little chipmunk. Yeah, he's like, Absolutely, yes. Let's get into our discussion about The Boys Season 2, Episode 8, What I Know. This episode was written by Rebecca Sonnenfeld. This is Rebecca's fourth episode of the show, so we've talked about her quite a lot uh, since the first season of the show. Uh, wrote two episodes of Season 1, including uh, co-writing the season finale, and she also wrote Episode 2 of this season of the show. Yeah, Rebecca has been a busy lady mm-hmm. writing away, scribing away for The Boys this season, Um and what great stuff uh, she's been doing as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, I've trusted, obviously, writer in the writer's room to get uh, part of the season one finale as the co-writer and to get the season finale for season two as well. Very cool. Uh, the episode was directed by Alex Graves. This is his first episode of The Boys, but he directed seven episodes of The Awesome Homeland and six episodes of the even more amazing Game of Thrones, including the episode The Mountain and the Viper. Favourite. Yes, yeah. eye squishing and mm-hmm. head squishing in yeah. that one. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that's where the that mountain gets um, well, kind of zombified because of the poison, because he mm. dies and then the Meister, Spoilers. Uh, Cersei's Meister, uh, <laughs> does a few unnatural things, as they say, yes. to him. Yes, spoilers for Game of Thrones, but hopefully you've watched all that show because it was really good fun. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. With the sound of exploding heads still faintly echoing in everyone's ears, the boys need to take the fight to Vought and its superheroes. Starlight and Huey land on their feet as a disgruntled A-train provides records of Stormfront and her Nazi past that were held by the Church of the Collective. Dishing the dirt on all media types never tasted so sweet. But Becca shows up on Butcher's doorstep and begs for his help following Ryan's abduction by Homelander and Stormfront. The boys agree to back Butcher and Ryan's rescue. Together, they finally face off against Homelander and Stormfront. But in the confrontation, as Stormfront strangles Becca, Ryan's uncontrolled powers inflict a heavy damage on Stormfront, but are lethal for his mum. With the arrival of Homelander, Billy Butcher, along with some help from Queen Maeve, protects Ryan after promising Becca he would keep him safe. As things return to normal for the boys and Vought International renounced Stormfront, bring Starlight back into the fold and maintain Homelander in the Seven, two heads pop across the city. Homelander's jerk atop a skyscraper and the more bloody kind as the brains and skull fragments decorate the office of the head of the Church of the Collective. Outside the church, 
an ambitious senator looks on. Yes, a very ambitious senator looking on there. Mm, that's definitely setting up season three. Before we spoil anything more, we probably spoiled a lot of it there at the synopsis, but we, before we spoil anything more, let's get into our full protagonist, antagonist, and outstanding moment discussion. Chris, do you want to give us your boys moment for the episode, your protagonist moment? Of course. So, um, basically, our opener said it best. <laughs> um, Butcher has to remember to don't be a c-word. There you go. <laughs> and unfortunately, for the majority of this, the the first half, maybe three quarters of this episode, I hated Butcher. Uh-huh. The, him going to Edgar, the way he kind of the deal he makes and how he makes it, and the the all that setup when you know it's coming. Now, when you know the deal he's made and how he's lying, and more importantly, how he lies on his brother's grave, mm-hmm. on his, like, on Lenny's, was it Lenny's soul? Um, uh, on, on Lenny's memory, mm-hmm. um, he, he doesn't even like do the whole cross fingers behind the back. Yeah. Anything like that. It's just straight up to her face lying. And for that whole section up until, well, basically until he goes back on that word, um, when they, when they do get the kid, mm-hmm. you're like, no, you're despicable. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and it's just, yeah, it, it got me. So it, it really did get me because I was like, I know in the comic books, he is what he says he is. Uh-huh. And he reminds himself not to be it, but they kind of double down. In different parts of this episode mm-hmm. of him being that. I think we discussed it last week as well when he went to see um, Vogelbaum. He has doubled down onto that, which yeah. is, or doubled in, and he's accepted his place as that bad guy. Yeah, I think he really sees an opportunity here to get what he wants, which is get his wife yeah. back and do away with the kid, effectively. I like how they underline in this episode, though, I thought it was really, really smart when Becca and uh, Billy arrive at the cabin to pick up Ryan effectively. They really underline that Billy has no concept who this kid is because Ryan's looking at him going, who's that guy? And Becca introduces him as her husband. She's never once told him that she had a husband because that's, that's in there. And she, and Be- Butcher's never had any opportunity to spend any time with this kid either. So the idea of him giving up this, you know, this, this image in his mind, which is, a super child, a child with superpowers brought about by Vo- brought about by V, you know, that makes lots of sense to Billy because he can detach himself completely for uh, from this connection with the child, basically, until he meets him. And then, as we see, as you say, Chris, the rest of the episode, he starts to kind of roll back on that a bit and starts to become a bit more human, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and it's really, it's only at the very end of this where he, where he essentially reminds him like so we'll we'll get into the the details of how it happens but it's it's basically when he hands over the kid to Mallory mm-hmm. and he just he first gives the the kid the cross uh, not the cross uh, the symbol of uh, Saint Christopher the Saint Christopher's uh, medal Christopher saint, yes <laughs> um the the patron saint of travelers uh-huh. my god i used to have one of them like literally 
one member of my family or two were super religious, uh-huh. and I'd always get one every couple of years, a patron saint Christopher <laughs> symbol. That's it. And I'd be like, cool, yeah. He's like, now you remember, he's the patron saint of travelers. Mm-hmm. He'll look after you on your travels. And I'm like, I was like a, a kid going, I don't travel anywhere. <laughs> I don't even have cool, a car yet. Cool, all my travels to school. <laughs> that was- uh, I don't cross rivers, and I don't need to jump on a man's back, but sure. Um, anyway, he gives up that symbol, and that's... He, Potentially one of the things that he's held dearest mm-hmm. to yeah. because it's literally, he says it, it was given to him and we can assume it was given to him back before maybe one of his first tours with Mallory back when he first married Becca. One of, it was, it was early on. So mm-hmm. this has been with him for years. This yeah. is a token of his love, her love to him, etc. So giving that up to the kid. And then the only question I have is giving the child to Mallory. Okay. Is it because he doesn't want to, he doesn't think he can protect the kid in his own way? Yeah. Or is it, <laughs> is it, I, I, I know the kid would be safe, but I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I like, I think so. I mean, I, I completely agree. You know, he started off pretty bad. I wonder whether, you know, when he owns up to it to Becca and she's actually really forgiving, he, the fact that he owns up is mm. probably, he realized he has sworn on his dead brother, um, you know, the promise that he's getting the kid back for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that's weighing on him. And I think that's kind of what I read in that situation. I think, though, there's a great shot where you're just for a very split second where he's over uh, Becca's dead body and he looks towards Ryan. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, what a glare. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, I think Carl Urban does that so, so well. Absolutely. I was thinking, uh-oh, um, he's not promising anything now that she's died. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly because it was Ryan's fault. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's Homelander that challenges that. It's Homelander that's telling him, what what do you want to keep the boy for? He killed your wife. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you can see it in Butcher's face for a moment. He's kind of going... Yeah, you're right, but you're also Homelander. <laughs> you're you're also the guy that I will definitely kill at some point in the future. Uh, so maybe this innocent child doesn't deserve to pay for it at all. It all just plays out really well in Carl, Carl Urban's face. I, really I, good moments for him. And I, I think Queen Maeve has a, a lot to do with that as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, her, her speech to, to Homelander um, may have just sort of convinced Billy Butcher to pick Ryan up and hold him and walk past Homelander Mm. where she says that I don't care what you will do to me, my family, to Eleanor or whatever. So long as people see the monster that you are Mm -hmm. and that you no longer um, are loved by anyone ever again exactly and i would say if anything would resonate with billy butcher is the idea of putting homelander in his place if it's not with uh with him killing homelander it's that you know you take away um what homelander craves and so i i think maybe there was an element of that as well so absolutely and that's also what becca was giving to ryan becca was constantly affirming that what Ryan needed so he didn't turn into Homelander was love. He needed he needed a family connection. He needed he needed what was going on. But as you say, Chris, this is the open question here. He's giving Ryan over to Mallory to take care of uh, to take take care of Ryan and putting him away and keeping him safe. 
Does that mean he now has no familial connection? He has no love anymore. Will he just go into to a different type of facility to be taken care of? So, yeah. uh, so has Becca's plan uh, gone by the wayside now, or will Billy occasionally check in and take care of him? Will uh, will he be taken off to go off with his with uh, Billy's aunt, maybe <laughs> something like that to to be taken care of? Um, but yeah, if he's going into another facility just because it's controlled by Mallory, does that mean it's going to be any better than a vault facility? I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's kind of a big question from from the from the show really uh, towards the end of it. Yeah, are they going to create the anti Homelander, the away seer, if you will? Um, <laughs> I have edited about about ten seconds of silence there while I while I thought about <laughs> it. <laughs> but let's talk about the actual deal, Chris, because this is your you know the, what was going on in the episode. The actual deal that Butcher makes with Edgar is that Edgar will pick up Ryan from the house. They'll get Homelander out of there. Edgar and, and his team will go in, pick up Ryan from the house, and uh, take him away without uh, Becca ever finding out. Effectively. And yeah. Butcher says, I'll just smooth it over with her afterwards kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah. Edgar has a very good response to it. He's kind of going, no, no, she's going to bang down my door in a couple of years' time when she finds out what actually happened and she's going to want a child back. And Butcher kind of goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, like, that's a really yeah. horrible thing for him to say because he absolutely knows because she effectively kicked him to the curb when he refused uh, to take Ryan with her with him and, and her when they were going to go on the run, she said she'd rather go back and live in, in this Truman Show-type world uh, if this happened. So, um, so yeah, what a, what a weird deal. Well, what, not a weird deal, but it's a, definitely a butcher-type deal to make because he yeah. doesn't want Ryan. But but uh, as Edgar says, he says, and you call me ruthless. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. it is showing the, the ruthlessness of, of Billy Butcher. And even to the point with... Um, all those poor SWAT team members effectively getting sliced and diced wow. um, in, in the cabin as he yeah. goes ahead with the deal uh-huh. with the exception that they're not there. Exactly. Um, and you just like seeing Homelander covered in blood um, after sort of just, yeah, going through all of them yeah. was was pretty grim can tell that yeah. like his interrogation technique was just keep asking them questions that they probably don't know the <laughs> yeah, answers until to he before. runs out and then he's not gotten any answers mm-hmm. we're gonna start with a pinky and work <laughs> our way up um yeah no although one thing i will say is if he had have gone with the original plan homelander would have caught them mm-hmm. because he was there what 20 seconds, 30 seconds after the, the guys in the suits arrived. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, they so were supposed she, to be backup for Becca and yeah. Butcher taking Ryan out of the place. They were supposed to be surrounding them kind of thing to get them yeah. out of there. Or for Butcher, at least. So they arrived just before the SWAT team arrived. So, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was one. Yeah. And then, again, as you said, that, that meeting with Edgar was one bit for me, which is I would have liked to see just that kind of Oh, I know you probably got one guy with a fifty cal across the with a kind of sniper rifle trained on uh, more than one. Absolutely. I would have liked to see like a, a red dot, another red dot, another red dot, and like like where there's like forty red dots just <laughs> all trained up butcher, and you just kind of get that ha ah, moment. Yeah. Um, but again, you can't argue with that scene because you have Giancarlo Esposito and Carl Urban. One is a steam, 
one is a scene stealer, the other is uh, a scene stealer, and you put them together, and that's just this tense, fantastic kind of moment where mm-hmm. you, technically it's it's two sides that should not be meeting, should not be talking, yeah. making a deal, and it's just yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, it's the CEO of Vault, you know. That this should yeah. be the moment that Billy reaches over the table to snap his neck, but he can give him what he wants. So, um, last thing I'll I'll say about these scenes uh, about about the whole episode there with uh, with Butcher and uh, and his son and Homelander and Maeve convincing Homelander to give it up. You know, I I thought it was a little bit heavy handed to have. Homelander hear the voices of the chanting crowd in his head when Maeve was saying, and I'll take away uh, everybody that, that loves you and make sure that you'll never be loved again. I thought it was just a little bit, we didn't really need it. We're only eight episodes of the show. Like we know Homelander needs this, but for Maeve to say that, and then Homelander kind of wistfully look in the air and have the chanting of the crowd going, Homelander, Homelander. I just thought it was a little bit too much in, in this particular type of episode. I don't I don't know for me what I would say on that is it relates probably to my antagonist moment um actually because I think it's it's actually everything that Homeland has gone through you're reminded what he actually craves well yeah okay um effectively given that you've been associating him with white supremacists and Mm -hmm. ex-nazis so i think and country leadership um i that's that's what i think was really behind that Mm -hmm. and so i i I didn't mind that i will just say i think where they're they're planting the seeds now of a psychotic break Uh uh-huh like that's (laughs) like that's kind of what they're doing where he will in season three have that psychotic break (laughs) Go a bit crazy, hear voices. Well, yeah, because you kind of get that in the the ending shots as well. Absolutely, but just just to clarify, <laughs> what he actually says to Maeve is, "I will kill everyone." He doesn't say, "I kill everyone you love," or "I'll kill Billy and everyone that, that he loves and all his friends and all his family." Yeah. He says, "I will kill everyone." So he's yeah. saying the planet here. He's saying he's going to go after everybody and destroy them all if she releases the footage because he has nothing left to live for basically and she turns it on him saying well i'll take away everything anybody that will have love for you and knowing that i'll go to my grave happy is kind of the way she says it but you know yeah she is kind of putting up the entire world versus he'll never have anybody to love is the kind of two options that she puts there (laughs) so uh, he is already on that psychotic break route there yeah (laughs) potentially although i didn't take queen Maeve saying it Along those lines, I thought he did mean I'll kill everyone you love. Nope. Um, and <laughs> her response to that was, I'll make sure no one loves you ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which were, he, so he's not going, he won't want to kill everyone. I think he's talking about the wish fulfillment of that moment at the press okay. conference where he opened it, his eyes and killed everybody at the press conference in his mind. But he's saying, "I will do that. I'll kill everybody on the planet." And I can see that for sure. Him. I can, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, I yeah. just didn't take it in that way. But is that it on your uh, protagonist moment? That Chris? is it, John. Do you want to take us on to yours? It's the girls get it done. Oh yes, um, it is Starlight, <laughs> Kimiko, and Queen Maeve going to town on on Stormfront. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I just thought it was a really great moment. A really um just empowering moment with um all the girls getting it done on the Nazi girl 
Um, and I, I thought this was just really good. I mean, the fight in itself was just so good. I, I, I mean, a few bits from it that I really liked. I mean, I liked Stormfront's entrance where she effectively electrocutes the car up in the air mm-hmm. and and down. I'm surprised anyone came out of that alive, but nonetheless, I thought that might that um, might have had us lose either Becker and M there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought maybe actually I thought MM was the most likely person to be lost. Yeah, it looked pretty. But, yeah. It looked pretty bad, but I liked some of the use of her powers, like uh, where she was being held from behind, and she she just directed her lightning behind to get the person uh, off mm-hmm. off her. Um, and also, was then you know she really was um, being done in by the three girls, uh, the three ladies, and she just—it's almost like she did a an electric press up just to push herself off the ground yeah. to shoot into the air. I really thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, but we do also see here uh, Kimiko uh, having her neck snapped by Stormfront, and there was that moment where we both certainly when we were watching it where we both gasped. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, she comes, this has happened before and she will come back alive. Yeah. And I was trying to think, but is that real? And until she did, I was like, oh, thank God I was right. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just a one-time deal. It, yeah, back exactly. In season one. exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, uh, yes, that was good to remember. Yeah. But initially but they, but they there space. was uh, that big inhale of breath going, oh my goodness, they've killed Kimiko. Exactly, they spaced it out enough from season one that it just wasn't <laughs> yeah. in the back of my head at all that this could happen, you know? So. No, literally, I, I, I gasped, inhaled, mm-hmm. uh, clutched my pearls, went, <laughs> oh my, went, yeah! Literally, as you said, because it was so far removed that I was like, I know what they're gonna end big. Oh yeah. my yeah, god! Yeah, exactly. And this big, and I was because I kind of had that vision in my head. They've killed the female, and then literally the, the all the guys just the boys kind of just go and like just like because then the I was in my head going Starlight takes over for the female. Um, it's just like they completely they they're diverging from the comic books completely mm. here now. Like so, it was like yeah, go for it. Like Starlight can dye her hair black, become the new female uh, of the boys, and literally, <laughs> let's do it. And I was just about, I can't remember what film it was or show, but essentially, it was when you had the super powerful guy and all the underpowerful, underpowered um, protagonist, and they all just start wailing on the the uh, the antagonist at the end because he's just beating them all and then that's it like they they snap and they all just go and they just destroy him i can't remember i, I don't know but it reminded me of um the of Shaun of the Dead with the cricket bat and the golf <laughs> yeah. club where they're just going off on the zombie and um yeah so that that's kind of how i took it right and um, the way they were just you know the, the shots and they were the punching of um just the different shots and and the punching of St- Stormfront. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Stormlight. Then um, <laughs> that would be an interesting. That's a team match. Up for, for yeah, the next exactly. Or alternate universe. Version. I yeah. think as well on the girls. I just want to pull out Queen Maeve because I know we've had feedback, and I, to be honest, feedback that I would have agreed with mm-hmm. about her not really having a, a big storyline. She's had one going through with Elena and with her treatment at the hands of Homelander. But um, I really liked her arc in this episode, actually, because, um, you know, given her sort of breakup sex uh, last week, I kind of thought 
I thought her response to Huey and Starlight was actually really felt natural. Mm-hmm. And I really liked then that after the the release of uh, Stormfront's file from the Church of the Collective to the papers and the media and stuff, mm-hmm. I liked that they just focused on her as she was as Stormfront was coming in, having a hissy fit in Vought Tower because <laughs> it felt really good then when she showed up to to help Starlight yes, out and. Did. And dare I say, um, and Kamiko, but also then the, uh, you know, that extra step of her confronting Homelander. I, I was like, it all paid off for me. Um, all, all this through storyline yeah. of, of Queen Maeve here. Um, I really wish we'd seen more of this because it's like, she's an awesome character when she has this kind of, um, arc even just in an episode and so i i really wanted to give a shout out to queen Maeve there as well definitely i think that's the one thing i love about the writing of this episode you know we've we've actually set up from the start of the season we've set up the fact that stormfront is almost an insurmountable soup she's someone that's been around since the very beginning she's got she's as powerful as homelander basically we've seen how powerful she is nobody's been able to beat her before she kind of dips in and out of the limelight is the way that she kind of hides herself over the many years that she's been around. So I love that it was her versus the boys for a second. They all took out all their weapons, shot all their weapons at them. She just <laughs> threw her hand and knocked them all out. There yeah. was a really odd moment from from Frenchie where he shouts at the top of his voice, we have to get back to the car to get that weapon that I built to kill Stormfront. That's the only hope that we have. So she blows up the car because he's told her exactly where it is. <laughs> um, but then we have, yeah, Kamiko coming back from the dead, effectively, to jump on her back and beat her. We have um, the great moment with Starlight starting off the battle because Stormfront's arrived. Kamiko's about to go and attack her. But Starlight knows if Stormfront attacks Kamiko straight on, then Kamiko has no chance. So Starlight instantly takes up against her. It's a really powerful moment. And yes, Queen Maeve's arrival feels, you know, obviously it's not exactly the same, but it really does feel to me like they were trying to emulate Wonder Woman's arrival in Batman v Superman. That moment where you have the camera pans to the person you did not expect to appear there. The music starts and Queen Maeve is instantly in the scene going, I'm here to join the the team of the boys. Like it really felt like she is just suddenly empowered to be able to join our good guy team now, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's the feeling they were going for. Certainly didn't have the music of, of uh, Batman v Superman for, uh, for Wonder Woman, but that's almost impossible because that was fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, this for me, like if if John hadn't have taken this, this would have been my one of my biggest mm-hmm. for the episode. Um, we let him go just, first this time. Uh, our fellow boys and girls, we let him go first to choose his points, so he got his uh, his ones in first. That's what happens. <laughs> no, and I I can now just also hear don't stop me now because I'm having such a good time. Which like, is the Shaun of the Dead? Me. That is exactly, the Shaun of the exactly. Dead uh, soundtrack um, to that. Mm-hmm. And I could just hear that in my head. This, this for me was great. And I, not just for the, 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 the callback to the original episode, the, one of the original episodes where, and just to give Frenchie that moment to go, girls do get it done. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's beyond that. It, it, it's also giving f- the female her redemption, uh, her redemptive, not redemptive arc, her revenge arc. I suppose yeah. you could yeah. say re- it's redemption. In her mind, to a degree, for her freezing uh, mm-hmm. with Stormfront, um, 
you it's Annie um getting to take down the person who's taking her down yeah. to free herself from the seven. Which doesn't work, but we'll get to that later. Uh-huh. And it's Queen Maid going, No, I am going to help this person. I am going to be the Wonder Woman. I'm going to be that the Amazonian queen yeah. who is supposed to actually do good. So strangely enough, like it is interesting that Huey's Huey gets told to shut up, mm-hmm. but it's again Annie. It's probably his and partially Annie's conversation that twists things, that changes this one point. The only bit I don't get: how did she find them? I think John's right. I think the moment when Stormfront arrives back at uh, Vault Terrors after hearing the reveal that that uh, all the Nazi information has been has been let out there is when Maeve kind of triggers and goes, uh-oh, she's about to go do something here, and she's following Stormfront. I don't think she's looking for the boys necessarily, but mm-hmm. she knows that Stormfront is on the warpath for some reason. So I think she's following Stormfront. I think that's where yeah. that's the connection. So. I, I think you guys are right. Because remember, she does she does arrive a little bit later than the yeah. battle starts because she does, she can't fly. So <laughs> yeah, she she has she jumps really high. <laughs> maybe 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 she's the Jessica Jones of this world. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. I uh, no, they just need to, they they would have needed to. I think they should have explained that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think they should have. Ah, would have taken away been. the surprise of her being yeah. right behind her. I, I that think was so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think they explained it in that brief glance uh-huh. um i think you don't want to put massive exposition on why queen Maeve turns up ah, but you also want that surprise you want that exciting yeah, moment, exactly you know, the, yeah. the batman v superman no they could have just done it after i meant <laughs> maybe I, yeah. they, anyway continue yeah. so i think we move on to uh derek's protagonist sorry chris <laughs> yeah you were saying you have queen in your head i once again have billy joel in my head only the good die young uh which is the billy joel theme throughout this episode uh where we have uh starlight and huey finally getting back together i took this as my protagonist moment because we've been talking about it all season as to whether they would actually get back together whether they'd be drawn apart and they address it in the episode here yeah, they actually have you know they have their moment in the car and he finally explains why billy joel is the most important singer to him it's because he lost his mom or his mom uh, walked out on them uh, when he was younger um and she used to play music, and it was the only time he felt happy when he was younger was when he was dancing with his mom. So uh, there's a little connection there again between Annie and Annie and Huey, you know. But I just wanted to really talk about that final scene because it's a kind of a, a, a repetition of their real moments throughout the series. It's always Annie and Huey who are sitting on the bench in the park. It's never Starlight and Huey of the boys who are sitting together. They're not against each other when they have those moments from the first time they met back in episode one of season one when they were when they were both on the bench talking to each other it was just as normal humans and right now at the end of the series the end of the second season anyway we have this moment where the two of them are sharing what they truly feel and where they truly believe they belong effectively starlight saying she still feels she belongs in in Terror because if you let the a-hill drive the boat then the ship's going to sink and you're going to be uh, you're going to be blaming them but if you're on board the boat and help and help steer it, then maybe it can go the right way. Is her explanation mm. roughly? I'm definitely paraphrasing there because I didn't write it down. <laughs> but she's basically saying that she's terrified to be in Homelander's presence, but she's going to do it because somebody has to, and she's going to step up. 
because of Huey telling her that he feels like he maybe stays around too long for things, and that, that and that's maybe always been his way is to be too clingy, clinging on to everything around him. Um, and I love the conversation. I just love how it how it twists, and she, and we have uh, that wonderful little line from uh, from um, Starlight or from Annie saying. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we can just be friends. And he's like, "No, no, you. I'm definitely getting. I'm definitely clinging on to forever. I'm definitely not letting you go." And so it's a lovely little moment. Again, they kiss again. So, so we have their relationship resolved. I think here, uh, yeah. where they're now together properly, uh, as everything uh, kind of ends for the boys at the end of this, yeah. this season. No, and I, I think you're right. Like this was uh, the meet cute moment of the this season. The, the the will they won't they they won't the the roster Rachel and uh, <laughs> that I an- analogized them as before um no I, I I was happy the way that they they kind of just ended this because I did you the, as an audience as well you went oh oh he he's ending <laughs> and then it was just like oh no 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 I'm clinging to you and you're like oh oh that was see nice. really cute um, <laughs> really cute yeah. Yeah, I, I I really liked um this whole thing between Starlight and Huey. You know, that tension has now gone. Yeah. Um Huey is not going to let her slide or, or drop her. I, I really like that moment uh, at the end. So yeah. I'm just glad that these two are together. Exactly. exactly. I suspect yeah. Starlight might go off and burn the Billy Joel collection that he's built up, <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> like just leave it beside the radiator. That's all I need to do. Uh, <laughs> Chris, do you want to take us on to your antagonist moment for the episode, the the seven moment? Sure. We uh, talked about the girls getting it done um, and how they they went to town. Um, well, I, I want to talk about the actual the the stormfront going. Full Nazi mm-hmm. um, throughout this episode. Um, she really does. So uh, and initially with Ryan, when she's with Homelander, talking about why genocide. Um, There's certainly a look from Homelander there that he's realizing, hang on a second. Like, I, you know, I know that he subscribes to her. Uh, to whatever she says, basically, she's he's kind of yeah. like first girlfriend, as we as we mentioned before. He's kind of going along with her opinions. But when she says that to Ryan. You can tell there's a moment where he's going, ooh, hang on a second. I wasn't sure. I didn't think she was going for uh, white people are being persecuted and people are going to kill us for the color of our skin. Yeah. Uh, Okay. What's she talking about, you know? And that that was a a truly scary moment Mm. in any show I've watched in 2020. Um, Just because it's, again, Exactly like the shopkeeper moment with the the radicalization of the in the previous episode. Absolutely. Um, this was just another. Oh, this is hitting home. Oof. Um, and I was like, okay, well, look, they're they're doing it once. It, it's fine. They they're using it as a as a, a teachable moment, <laughs> and you're seeing Homelander go slightly backing, like eh, let's move this conversation yeah, on exactly to where you see it get to. When they get to when Stormfront faces off against uh, Annie, mm-hmm. and Annie's going like, "Well, no, you're out. Like everyone knows you're a Nazi. Fake news. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with Photoshop. Who, who and put, just, did you send all these lies out about me? I think she says to yeah. Annie, and Annie's like, "They're not lies. You know these are true. <laughs> like, well, that's it. Like she says." People believe in what I say. People just don't like the word Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's it. it. It's that distancing of that association with these 
uh, extreme right-wing groups is yep. that they don't even mind white supremacy it would seem um it, it's that uh don't use the word nazi exactly. because of course that is absolutely where you end up if people like this win yeah um yep. and I, it was interesting that you know that's exactly the counter argument that Stormfront was was trying to do, and then yeah, the whole fake news, and again this um, this just suspicious um, theories um, all about people are against you, even though you're the one that has the privilege. It's just absolutely like yeah. bonkers. Yeah, we are recording this. Um, a couple of days ahead of release, uh-huh. um, and uh, so it, it releases on the the ninth of October, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in the United States there was a presidential debate, <laughs> and uh, there a, a radical radicalized group was mentioned, and essentially uh, not denounced. And the, the, that radicalized group, uh, themselves, cause I'm not even going to mention them because they don't deserve it, but they, they took it as a call to arms, as a whatever. And then when people started actually referring to them and their beliefs going, no, you're just Nazis. No, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> exactly. no, 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 like we, we believe in this, this and this. Which the Nazis believed in. No, 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 no. The difference is we're American, <laughs> but you still have Nazi ideologies. No, 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 no. no. Wait, They've probably got all the memorabilia and all that kind of crap. And it's like um, yeah. the only way you should call them by their name, which is the Proud Boys, is if you're doing a Twitter counter. Uh, which was awesome. It was amazing. Let's have gay men kissing, lesbians kissing. The proud boys are, yes, yes, under the rainbow flag, not the swastika. Absolutely. Exactly. And the the reason I only mention this is because I was watching this and those lines... Again, these were. This was filmed... Last summer. Last summer. This was written probably... A year and a half ago. Or, yeah, about that now. Mm-hmm. You say probably some small script edits during filming. There was no odd, aud- there, there was no post audio drops where they kind of added her kind of saying a line after that, yeah. after with they pan off to a different side. So you don't have to see her lips moving or anything like that. So again, just a, a, a scary clairvoyant hat tip. Well, yeah. To the writers going, you you manage in a superhero show yeah. about evil superheroes and swearing and gore and blood and guts just to really oh just <laughs> like get get it there with the story. I certainly think they were aiming for around the time of the election to have yes. this show end definitely without a doubt. Like they knew what they had. Uh, you know this as we said before <laughs> earlier on this season, there was no uh, no doubt. This is where uh, it was going uh, from last no. year or the year before or the year before that. So, uh, so yeah, um, yeah, very impressive overall. Uh, yeah, this is a full Nazi stormfront that we get uh, in this episode. Yeah. She's she's there. She's um, she's definitely gone further than ever. But uh, but yeah, everything has now been revealed to the world as well. So very interesting. Yeah, as I said in my uh, synopsis. Um, Dishing the dirt on that Nazi lady 
uh, has never tasted so sweet. Mm-hmm. You can see yeah. how like they enjoyed that. And it is. It's dishing the dirt. She's done it. Um, it's not fake news. It's not made up. Exactly. John, what's your antagonist moment for the episode? Well, you know, there is a long tradition of this in superhero movies. We have Tim Burton's Batman. We've got Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. And speaking of coming, oh dear. Uh, we have the Homelander bat symbol moment with the, the nighttime jerk. Um, oh dear. Both literally and... Dare I say it metaphorically? Um, you know, I thought this was <laughs> really good. Uh-huh. You know, everyone talks about Vulture in Homecoming going up at, uh, to the moon, silhouetted on the moonlight, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was brilliant. Uh, this uh, to take it uh, in that direction was simply <laughs> phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, I have to say, and. I and think you are right. It is an absolute trope of superhero movies. It's it's uh, superhero in the costume. Well, it is now. <laughs> yeah. But superhero in their costume, standing on like a gargoyle, looking over the city they protect. Effectively, yeah. But he's doing a lot more than that. He his... really, really yeah. is. But um, I, I whatever I, he wants, really. That's... Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Exactly. I I think what's really great about the scene is it, it's got the shock it's got the boys thing about it with him jerking off on top of uh the the skyscraper but it's the fact that he is also saying you know i can do anything i can do anything and it kind of connects back to uh the queen mave moment it connects mm-hmm. back to you know when chris and yourself was set, talking about homelander's reaction when stormfront talked about white supremacy and white genocide it's the idea that at his heart this guy is a pure out and out narcissist Mm -hmm. um that trumps any other thing that he has you know it really really does Mm -hmm. and it is about him he wants the adulation and he will do anything because you see how he slots back into the vault um press conference yes i know the the um the bat symbol came after that and you know mm-hmm. not that i had really kind of picked up on that but, but this potential idea of a, a breakdown and a meltdown in season three certainly i can see that now that you've said it yeah. um but it's his ability to be that chameleon of whoever he needs to be um was really kind of phenomenal um in the sense you know he he, he's up there and without really anything much uh you know he he talks about starlight being wrongfully accused that stormfront you know betrayed everyone that trust in superheroes Mm -hmm. i like how it then becomes a collection of the noise of the audience and the crowd there as it gets lost his words but at its heart homelander is a narcissist before everything else and i think the really interesting aspect of homelander is that it is the moments with ryan where you see something um possibly genuine um whether it's him looking a little bit awkward with stormfront talking about the 
the white genocide. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he does have that really, um, kind of nice little moment with Ryan where Ryan's gets overwhelmed uh, and he takes him off and, you know, they have the conversation about crying and he says how he cried and that he had to figure it out all by himself. And you see that moment where he talks, the doctors that brought me, oh, the people that looked after yeah. me. That's where, that's the homeland I think he probably wants to be, but the years of scarring, mm-hmm. the the years, the experience that he's had, he's ultimately a narcissist. Absolutely. Um, And I thought this was just really good, and I think it absolutely typified by his jerky bat symbol Mm -hmm. um, right at the end. Um, I thought, I just thought it was so, so good. And just to bring it back through the season, that does mean that Doppelganger was right. Um, Doppelganger who got killed for saying to Homelander, you know, I can pleasure you. I can, I can take care of you. I can be you, which is what you want because you're a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Effectively, he got killed for saying that to him. But at the end of the season here, it's effectively showing that that's exactly what he is. And um, one other thing you mentioned there about the conversation between himself and Ryan, uh, where he says, you know, he cried, and then he does that little macho thing and goes, "Oh, they only did it once, and then I became a man. I never cried again." Of course, but um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, he does cry at that moment when Maeve says to him, "I'll take away." Um, your ability to be loved by anybody. I'm almost sure you can see a tear in his eye and then he stops himself. Yeah, and you, I, I, think, I think so. And I think you can also see the anguish with the fact that Ryan picks Billy Which, to yeah. go to. Yeah. And, and that's where the breakdown, because, uh, and where I would agree, and I just hadn't really kind of connected that yeah. because it's absolutely at odds with him jerking off into the void off the top of a a skyscraper saying i can do anything because he didn't in that moment he couldn't um whether it was with queen Maeve, whether it was keeping his son whether it was doing what he wanted to do with stormfront he hasn't been able to do anything and Mm -hmm. it, it it's that disconnect that may just fracture his um fragile little man exactly exactly good point there john yeah definitely it's a weird one i I cannot remember whether i saw this in the comic book because as i said before i haven't read all the comics um i've read some of them i cannot remember whether i heard it in an interview with anthony Starr at some point but when this scene came on i was going oh they've done that on the tv show but I cannot remember why I know that. I can't remember whether it was maybe in the first issue of the comic he we see Homelander doing it or something. I just cannot remember. I wish Chris was able to stay the, for the full episode, uh, so I could have asked him about that. It's unfortunate. But well, yes, Chris's oh, well. corner will be sadly uh, missing yes. Chris uh, or lacking it in a Chris to do Chris's corner. Yes, indeed, yes. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, exactly. But let's leave on uh, that image of two duck eggs in a in a handkerchief derek what is your antagonist moment i'm just going straight on to the next scene actually um it it ties in almost directly after the scene where we have homelander homelander's eyes on screen as he's saying all these lies all these things he doesn't believe in and the crowd noise is surging and then we hear the other end of that conversation what he's actually saying that you know justice will prevail kind of thing uh he's saying that and we see a train and uh, and the deep uh, in the house of the collective because I really would just want to talk about the fact that A Train's got his place back in the seven. He really does, yeah. And the way he got his place back in the seven is actually by giving up Stormfront. So we saw in this episode that 
he broke in and got the files out from the collective um these files that they keep on all their former members um so i thought that was really interesting that yeah. uh, that that's the way that it's done i loved when we were watching the episode and stan eggers in the room uh with the leader uh of of the collective alistair adana and john noticed that something had just flashed by the screen but couldn't tell what it was yeah and the napkin and that sort of moved. ruffled in in a yeah. breeze yeah so it's a, a nice a great directorial uh, yeah. moment there to have that little clue there that a train's running around basically the background and all that's happening is that he's moving he's moving a little bit of a napkin to give you an indication so uh, so i like this um i love that you know a train gets uh, his role back in here uh, in in the 7 because of what he did so we now have Maeve Starlight and A Train, all who kind of are very unhappy with Homelander, and Homelander is still the leader of the seven. So we now have three reasonably goodish people uh, beside Homelander. They may have all done bad things in the past, but they're all three people that yeah. probably won't allow Hom- Homelander to get away with everything that he wants, despite uh, what uh, he did in your uh, antagonist moments, John. Um, but we unfortunately get poor Deep once again being shunned mm-hmm. um, as. Alistair Adana basically says, well, you know, if we get one back, it's a redemptive arc. If we get two back, then it's weakness for the seven. <laughs> so your job is gone. Um, and I love his reaction to it. I love the deep just kind of going, hang on a second. The only reason that I did everything you asked me to do was because you told me you get back in the seven. And Adana, again, is saying to him, well, just take a few more cor- courses, you know, which is the deep saying to him, I'm going to have to pay you even more money. You know? yeah. And we find out how the extent of this um, society, the extent of their reach and the extent of the things they've done to, to the deep. They made him sign over his bank account. They talked to him. We mentioned before in the show, and Chris was specifically calling it out, you know, he was trying to work out how they would wrap in the alien origin of Scientology uh, into, into the show, and they did it right here. You hear the deep going, when I heard we were all alien creatures or alien eggs landed, I didn't laugh at you for, <laughs> for that stupid thought. Um, I'm out kind of thing. I love that Adana twists it once again with that uh, with that statement of effectively um you're being aggressive kind of thing, which means that yeah, Adana's about to tear him down. You know, yeah. your, your, your personality is toxic, exactly. Which means he's about to tear him down, effectively. If he doesn't get out of there, he'll suffer the same fate as Eagle the Archer suffered. Um, and they probably have a lot of material on uh, on the deep. Uh, he also does call out, uh, yeah, he's been married to a psycho, I think is <laughs> what he says. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so Deep's had to go through a lot and is still not back in the seven from uh, from season one. He's still off on his own. If we get a season, well, when we get a season three of the show, the deep is still uh, now friendless as well because A-Train uh, effectively takes his job and just gets out of there. Yeah, he's kind of like, <laughs> like, see you later. Yep. And it, but, I mean, as well... I, I like that you know the deep kind of doesn't really have anywhere to go because it, it it's like he doesn't go over to kind of tear the throat out of Alistair Adana, but he mm-hmm. is you know his passing shot is you know F Fresca yeah. uh, to Adana that's his favorite drink that's why we've been seeing it yeah. all this time why it is yeah. just that's his favorite drink I we see like Edgar yeah. also reject it yeah. um, when he's there for um, his, his meeting mm-hmm. with him. Um, and that's presumably why they're all just handing it out. Like, yeah, I was trying to work out what what it is about Fresca specifically. Like, is it is it just that it's a it's not one of those big brands? It's just one of those things that it's a little bit. 
innocuous, a little bit boring as a drink kind of thing, you know. Perhaps he has some kind of deal with Fresca's sponsorship for, yeah, probably. for the, the collective. So, um, yeah, perhaps that's it. But that, that's all I wanted to talk about, really, was just A-Train getting back in the seven and uh, and the deepest delight, because they are two members of the seven. It's been very hard this season to keep to the antagonist uh, protagonist moments that we forced on ourselves ourselves at the start of season one because everybody's kind of been a bit of a movable feast. Uh, everybody's been moving back and forth between what we'd call the antagonist and protagonist. But those two members are still, we'd still consider them part of the Definitely, kind of, definitely. Kind of. And Chris is back with us again to share some final thoughts. Chris, do you want to take us on with your outstanding moment from the episode? Sure. So back in the beginning... 25 years ago, 28 <laughs> months and four days, uh, which when we started recording this episode, or not this episode, this season, and time is fluid and timey-wimey <laughs> in a big circle. And even it's like six um, weeks, man. <laughs> exactly. It feels like longer. Um, I made a prediction, and I'm going to give myself half points. Okay. I made a prediction that we're going to lose Becca. I made a prediction that Ryan would get angry enough because Homelander was killing her mm-hmm. that that would fire off his powers and he, it would he would push or like blow Homelander away mm-hmm. uh from his mum. So I I'm kinda gonna call it like I get half points on this. Okay. Um kinda for this theory. Come on, give me half points at least. He he Ryan did blow it wasn't Homelander, it was Stormfront. You definitely said his powers were going to come into play and they would be instrumental. I kind of felt that that was more directed at Homelander, but I definitely, yeah, 50% for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if not 75. Passing marks. Passing marks. Yeah. After a few wines, 75%. I was like 25 to 50. Okay. All right. We'll cut the, we'll cut the balance and say, yeah, it's 50. You, you, you can have this one, but you, you've got to be lenient on me next time I claim something. Excellent. Okay. Deal? Excellent. Cool. Definitely. <laughs> I know I also said uh, that I, I, I would be done if Becca got killed mm-hmm. because that just, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did that. Yeah. But they did it tastefully with her goodbye. I'm going to, I'm going to give them that. Like they, they were tasteful on it. Um, still not exactly sure how she died. It was kind of like a heavenly light, wasn't it? So it was kind of tasteful in that they didn't see. So, yeah, we did. We, it wasn't seen on screen, but we see from uh, Stormfront she has no arms. Uh, she was and no legs and no legs, but her arms were around the throat of Becca. So yeah. the beam that was cast by Ryan seems to yeah. have cut her throat. Yeah, or either that, or her throat was ripped out, maybe by that could uh, by be Stormfront. Yeah, but, I was thinking rip out. Nobody can nobody can know because the only person that maybe saw it, could Ryan possibly have seen it when lasers were coming yes. out of his eyes? I don't know. But he seems to be taking the blame for it anyway. So yeah. even if he did see it, oh, no. he sees that it was him. But yeah. but maybe the lasers cut through her arms and cut through the neck of his mother because she, did, she didn't explode or anything. He didn't hit her by the looks of things because uh, the only damage to her was her throat. I think... But that's where the arm... Yeah, the I mean, Stormfront looked pretty burnt as well, oh, yeah. and yet Becca wasn't. So maybe yes. Stormfront kind of did shield her to some extent, being in the blast, but because Ryan's not got that focus or control, uh, you know, he should have listened to his dad, Homelander, he should have been practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, then, <laughs> you know, maybe it was just, yeah, the bit that 
was caught in the heavenly light, but at least she saw a bright light well, as yeah. she went, uh, as it darkened. Well, exactly. But remember, Homelander's real guidance was, what helps me is focusing on someone that I actually hate, and then when I can pinpoint that, then I can use my powers. Well, yeah. Ryan had never learned to hate before. Now he learned to hate right here. He found Stormfront. Yeah. So that was the uh, that was the, the line that was dropped to come back later on in the episode, basically. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll close it. I'll close it out on this point in this outstanding moment for me because they've removed the driving force behind Butcher to a degree. Mm. They they basically she was dead. He was there to avenge yeah, it. Absolutely. She she died. Sorry, she came back. He, that he lost her anyway. He can't really avenge her death because the death was by Stormfront. Absolutely. Or the debt was kind by Vault, of... or the debt was by was the death yeah. was by V. I'm gonna talk about my point later on, Chris. I know you can't stay, so uh, so I'll give you a quick a quick prelude to it. Um I think the lay down here from Mallory that there is an option for Billy to go after soups if he wants to, and him putting on his shades and walking away without giving any answer or any acknowledgement. Yeah that that's what's going to happen. I think that's exactly what you're saying. He has no motivation as such, but he does have the ability. So if he does want to go after them for not a personal reason, just to save the world, he still has that open to him for the next season. So Yeah, no, I think what they'll do is, is he's going to become some form of super police oversight, and uh, he'll do it because he just hates those super sea words. Exactly, exactly. Yes. I think with the death of of Becker as well, that's that's kind of my outstanding moment. But in um, in this case, it's Stormfront um, because I've kind of mentioned it. You know, she she is pretty pretty destroyed here. Oh, yes. um, she's got her feet off, her, her hands are off, her shins are off, her forearms are off, and mm-hmm. um, so she she really is in a bad way. Interesting that Compound V doesn't make uh, her limbs grow back, or maybe. Not yet, Um, because, yeah, weirdly, um, you know, we see her babbling kind of incomprehensibly in in German Mm -hmm. after losing all of this. It's like she's reverted back to her happy days in Nazi Germany. Germany. Um, Yeah, we were were saying that we know when this episode comes out on Amazon Prime on Friday, uh, as we we mentioned, we're recording a little bit early. We know there's going to be subtitles for those German. Uh, They have done in the past, they've just done, like, speaks German when this has happened, so they haven't translated it into, uh, into words, but... I'm wondering whether she says something like, I was supposed to bring balance to the force or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, I felt like I was catching some German for of the little German that I know, like hmm. Erstemal, so Erstemal first. And okay. um, there was, I'm sure she said apple as well. I thought she said apple. Okay, so um, first apple. So I don't know. <laughs> or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I think Maybe. may have been said. Mm-hmm. But it it's, you know... We only spent two and a half years in Switzerland. It's, it's a country just, that predominantly speaks some form of German. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, she's really has fallen here. I mean, even when Homelander arrives, he's kind of just looking down at her and ultimately... Um, He's not going to date that. Dare I say, he's not going to do anything else with that. And so, like, you know, he's lost interest. No compassion for her whatsoever. Mm -hmm. His focus is now on Ryan. Um, So Stormfront really 
is completely um, sort of excluded and disowned by Vought as well. I think it's really interesting we have the conversation between Edgar and Billy Butcher as well, where Billy brings up Stormfront and Edgar absolutely knows the danger that she poses to him. Yeah. And in the end, it's all about money for him. It's all about the stock and the share prices. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. But you even hear from Stormfront her saying, oh, he's very smart for one of their No, exactly. As well. so, so there's definitely animosity between Edgar and, and Stormfront. And, you know, I, I guess he didn't have any opportunity of taking her out as such and still maintaining the profit share and the profit margins that he's going yeah. for effectively is, is the well, thing. Well, he is truly evil. Like, yeah, she, as he said, she knows how to sell things mm-hmm. um, in that sense and be persuasive. But yeah, yeah Stormfront here, absolutely um, taken out by by Ryan's yeah. beams. Um, Just in case anybody didn't get my reference, I was saying that he that she looked like Anakin Skywalker after he got all of his limbs cut off by Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, she really did like she. Yeah, she had just been on Mustafar for yeah. sure, um, or, or just at the end of Return of the Jedi, that the kind of burnt head and no limbs of uh, of Darth Vader, you know that kind of. Thing. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I think um, the only thing is with all the t- kind of wrap ups that we had at the end of this season. Um, we don't see what happens to her. So as far as I'm concerned, she potentially is still on the forest floor somewhere um, in, in the, you know, in rural America. Mm -hmm. The the speech from Homelander, I think says that she's in an undisclosed location. Uh, She's being held in an undisclosed location, which probably means, you know, the cell that Annie was held in potentially she's in somewhere around there. So, uh, so yeah, depending on her healing ability, uh, which could be substantial considering she's over a hundred, well, she's a hundred years old. Which is bulletproof. You know, she's bulletproof. She could have some good old healing powers as well. That's, uh, that there must be some kind of regenerative mm-hmm. ability if she's not wrinkling. Well, exactly. Exactly, Tom. So we may well see Stormfront back uh, after a lot of regeneration and maybe some skin grafts. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the wrap up for uh, season two and setups for season three, just wanted to quickly kind of uh, round it all up as we get to the end of our of our major moments. So my outstanding moments really are the kind of end of everything. Um, we've already talked about uh, where Annie and uh, and Huey end up. There, um, Annie is ending up. Uh, going back to Volterra, she's part of the Seven again. Huey actually goes off to work for the campaign of. Um, Newman, uh, he goes to get a job with, uh, with the new senator Newman, which uh, I'll also talk about in a second. But, um, that was quite interesting. He's effectively given up his position. The boy says he's never fit in there, uh, and the entire time that they've been together. So he's yeah. going off to get a legitimate job with, uh, taking down the soups the right way. Oh dear. Poor Huey. <laughs> Walking himself into trouble once again. I know. Uh, mentioned earlier on about, about Mallory giving the offer to, to, uh, Billy saying that Newman's actually going to be siphoning off some money from her campaign to allow them to fight the, the soups with some actual funding effectively. Um, so there is an option there for him to join the boys and bring the boys together uh, again to fight soups. Uh, but Billy puts on the glasses and walks away. Uh, we mentioned Ryan obviously has gone off into the care of, of Mallory. Uh, but it looks like we probably, uh, comic book wise, I think if I'm, if I'm right in saying this, we're kind of going back to a situation where Mallory is willing to lead a new team of the boys going after the soups. It's kind of where we're, where we are with that team towards the end of the episode. Um, then we have, Mother's Milk going back to his family, 
uh, finally getting back there after all the time away. So uh, we know his daughter and his wife are, are in the house that he's knocking on the door to go in. We don't see the reaction of his wife, who seemed to have kicked him out because he was in the boys. Uh, that was that's kind of, I know he's on the run as well, of course. But they were having relationship difficulties, let's say, yeah. uh, when we last saw them in season one. Um, and then he's obviously on the run in season two. So uh, so that's that's quite interesting. Um, Frenchie and, uh, and Kimiko are going off Dancing, dancing. Yes, they're finally going off dancing. So I, I do. I, I love the kind of build of their relationship in this episode. Well, throughout the season, of course, definitely, but, but yeah. definitely in this episode, there's some lovely little interplay between the two of them, where uh, where Kimiko is saying to him, "You can definitely dance if you have those kind of moves." You know, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I I think um, I think uh, Kimiko and uh, Frenchie's relationship has been really good you know from a complete breakdown mm-hmm. um to one where he's now learning her sign language so yeah. Uh, and yeah maybe uh they're sparking up uh, a bit of a a bit of a relationship here for sure yeah. uh that goes beyond friends yeah I'm, I'm still wondering still wondering still not uh not putting it on the table uh out there on the show itself um but uh but there does seem to be some, a very close friendship in there between the two of them is that everybody? Is that all of our major cast, except for one character that we ha- that I haven't mentioned? I think you've got to do the big surprise. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna close yeah. out with uh, with newly crowned Senator Newman um, taking down the leader of uh, of the collective. So uh, I I really liked I, I suppose the setup of that part of it. So we, that was just after the scene that we had uh, A Train and, and the Deep. Uh, we have. Senator Newman kind of being contacted by this religious organization looking for what's it, a 40% um, tax break that they get from yeah. being a religious organization. And if she gives that up, then she'll definitely get their support. Um, and then the head explodes. So we were totally wrong in our idea that it could be, uh, that it could be the escaped patient, yeah. uh, Cin- Cindy, um, that would be blowing up uh, the heads of all the people involved. We didn't know what was going on, but effectively, it's a politician using these abilities to get her through a political minefield. I guess yeah, uh, it would be the way that uh, the way that I would see it. It is. It is Victoria Newman, Senator Newman. Uh, I thought this was a really great surprise right at the end. Mm-hmm. I love the cloudy eyes, as she, and she's just there outside of the building that. Uh, Adana is there after having that phone call with her and you know she's being very political and then yes pop goes his head mm-hmm. blood everywhere um you know the the brains of the the space spores uh everywhere <laughs> and um yeah I th- this was really good because and I think just because we've seen Huey going in taking or getting the job uh, in the senator's office, in her campaign office, uh, so it, it really kind of it, is nice and tantalizing for uh, season season three, Absolutely. to be honest. As to you know, Huey being um, you know at the the coal face of danger, I suppose, um, and uh, yeah, really good. I think that's what you always want is that nice little. Um, cliffhanger in a sense or i suppose it's more of a surprise than a cliff cliffhanger and because i actually felt the whole season wrapped up everyone's story a bit it did feel like you know if they weren't going to get a season three this was a really good ending Mm -hmm. but with you know as you say with mallory's offer 
with um, what we now know of Victoria Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does help to to lead in uh, for a season three and for that to be developed. And even with Homelander, if he's going to have a breakdown, because yeah, a super a soup with uh, a breakdown that will be pretty uh, interesting oh, too especially one that can kill the entire planet uh, yeah yeah I think that's it for all of our points about the episode as we mentioned Chris unfortunately couldn't stay for too long this episode so no Chris's Corner this time uh, we'll hopefully have a Chris's Corner on our uh, roundup episode uh, overall John what did you think of the finale of The Boys Season 2 Episode 8 Really liked it. Um, I give it four and a half nervous twinky guys with a moist handshake out <laughs> of five. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought this was a really nice wrap up to the season. I thought it dispatched the baddie. Um, it kept the baddie in Homelander the, mm-hmm. it, it set up for season three with the tantalizing surprise of Victoria Newman. I thought Anthony Starr was great, uh, as always, and I loved Carl Urban here. Uh, You know, his double cross uh, in the name of his dead brother uh, to his his wife and and the redemption of that. The girls getting it done was just a great little nod, and I I really liked Queen Maeve's arc uh, in this as well. But, uh, you know, and yeah. What can we say but the iconic bat symbol for Homelander, uh, a jerk both literally and metaphorically, mm-hmm. uh, is is great um, yeah. for sure. So, yeah, absolutely uh, loved this final episode. And I really can't wait for season three. Like, four and a half nervous Twinkie guys with a moist handshake out of five. Excellent, excellent. Derek, what did you think? Yeah, really enjoyed it. I have to give a shout out to Aya Cash this season um, as as Stormfront. I think she's been so fantastic from those first couple of episodes where uh, where we were all kind of in love with this new um, wisecracking kind of character as she turned and made the twist into this Nazi and just played it so great uh, right up into the and really, really enjoyed her, her role in the show. Uh, great additional character to add to the season. So uh, overall, yeah, really enjoyed it. I know we're going to talk about the season again uh, as we go into our wrap-up episode, as I mentioned. Chris, what did you think of the finale of The Boys? I loved this. Uh, I really, really did. Um, this, for me, was just fantastic. It was uh, a great ending. Enough <gasps> gasp, clutch your pearl moments. Uh, with sprinkled with uh, some, as I talked about, on point writing that's scarily accurate in 2020, mm-hmm. um, with some emotional dramatic scenes, humor, with uh, the we didn't even talk about Frenchie and dancing um, with the female, like the the it's just per and it also sets up just enough for season three mm-hmm. that I'm like. I did not see where they were going with that. Uh-huh. And I just, I, I was like, bravo, bravo. <laughs> I was just, yeah. Excellent, excellent stuff, Chris. Uh, we will be back to talk about uh, the boys again when we do our season two wrap-up episode uh, in a couple of weeks' time and give out uh, our award for our pub quiz question. But I know you've got to go, Chris. So thanks so much for joining us for this season. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with you. I know we'll continue on with the podcast and talk about the feedback from our awesome listeners as well. Yes, thank you so much, fellow boys and girls, and we'll see you soon. With that, we'll let Chris go, and we'll go on to the pub quiz for this week. John, let's go for a pint. Absolutely. I think we all need a good old pint after a great 
season two of The Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's get ratted and talk about The Boys <laughs> at the pub quiz. Uh, question eight from episode eight. What should you remember to do in the event of a supervillain attack at school? Ooh, very good. Right at the beginning of the episode. Yes. What is the acronym and what do the letters of that acronym mean? Yes. Just a quick repeat there. What should you remember uh, and do in the event of a supervillain attack at school? As brought to us by Homelander and a random sheriff. Uh-huh. Um, I've heard they're getting more and more common over and over again. You're, it's going to happen inevitably to everybody, John. That's, why, <laughs> that's what I heard. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, but please uh, send your answers in to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. Uh, if you haven't already done any of the previous seven questions, you can send in your full complement of eight questions to the email address. Uh, we will be uh, reading out the answers for each episode uh, in our final roundup podcast on the boys yep. uh, where we will also be announcing the winner uh, who is in for a treat with a range of goodies the boys goodies that include the collected first volume as well as the boys t-shirt mm-hmm. uh, and there will be one other prize we're just looking for a drinking related prize uh, for uh, the third and final goodie uh, for whoever comes top of the pub quiz absolutely yes emailing your uh, answers to all the questions or as many of them as possible to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries look for the spoiler posts for the boys and you'll see the questions in there for each episode stick your answer in there and we'll stick in there in the uh, pot uh for the for the winners uh at the end of the season. Uh, if you can try and get your answers in before the 14th of October, uh, we'll hopefully rec- be recording our roundup of the boys uh, season two around that stage. So you should be in with a chance uh, to win some lovely boys goodies. Let's get on to some feedback. I think it's time. Yeah. Fe- yeah. Feedback for episode seven, the penultimate episode of the boys. Uh, first up, we have an email from Jimbo Urin. He says, making sure to get my feedback in in time for the last episode, as this week really was a huge opening and closing episode. Uh, Like yourselves, I wanted to talk more about the wider social commentary that the characters this week, as I happened to watch this one on the same weekend as The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which if you've not seen, I'd highly recommend it. Although, if you don't get a chance, it is pretty much an extended docudrama of the first few minutes of this episode, and equally terrifying view of the world. As for the closing scenes, although there were similarities to the end of Kingsman, which I think has been mentioned on the podcast before, the difference here is there is still a mystery as to what has caused the headbanging. And whilst I guess we may find out next week, these guys just keep us guessing. I feel they just keep doubling down on this show, like someone comes into the writer's room saying, you will never guess what someone suggested for the next episode. And the response is, right, how do we, how do we outdo this? All in all, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they do end up taking this show. P.S. After my comments last time, it did come around a bit more to Sean Ashmore as his video scenes were a lot of fun with some fantastic titles that I probably can't mention on the podcast. But if I can mention one, Deep Does It in the Blowhole is probably a standout. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a shame Lampletter is no more, but a good exit nonetheless. All the best, Jimbo. (laughs) Jimbo, we let you away with uh, with putting one 
uh, of the titles <laughs> in there. Uh, I saw a great tweet the other day from Eric Kripke, uh, the, the showrunner of the show, who was saying that they actually filmed a lot of uh, porn scenes uh, for those porn videos that uh, <laughs> that Lamplighter was watching and was wondering whether you could release them to uh, whatever porn site is out there. But Amazon were <laughs> not happy for that to happen. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jimbo. Jimbo. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you i can just imagine how much fun that writer's room Mm -hmm. is to not only outdo one another uh, with regards to grossness violence uh, just out and out shocking um scenes but also then how they interweave that with like you said right at the start with the social commentary aspects. It's, it's just like incredibly good writing and performance. So yeah, completely agree. Um, thanks Jimbo. Absolutely. Uh, haven't watched social dilemma yet, but everybody's been recommending it to me. I just feel like I'm going to cut myself off from the entire world. If I cut myself off from social media while in lockdowns. So, uh, I don't know whether I'm watching it anytime soon, but thanks so much for the recommendation. Jimbo. Yeah. Thanks again, Jimbo over on our Facebook group. Um, Donald Dennis said, wow, just they should have called episode seven Pop Goes the Weasel. (laughs) Indeed, they should have, Donald. Salima Kisler on Facebook also says, RIP Lamplighter, we hardly knew ye. Uh, Man, I thought this episode was light on the action for a penultimate until Lamplighter setting himself on fire and setting off that chain of events. Mm -hmm. Someone in Vought HR really dropped the ball, not deactivating his clearance. (laughs) Then what can I say about the courtroom scene? Did anyone else think Vogelbaum's chair was going to explode? Of course, what did happen was more the boys' style. Mm. Was that Cindy making people's heads explode? I'm not sure why she would be helping Vought. I'm totally with you there, Salim. Um, The church sure did turn on Eagle the Archer fast. I'm not sure Deep got the message, but that seems like a warning to A-Train, who was already sceptical. Well, interestingly, after this episode, Salim, um, it's not the... It's not a train that needs to worry about being turned on. Uh, unfortunately, the deep got the wrong end of the fresca uh, from the <laughs> Church of the Collective, uh, and it is a train who is speeding his way back to to Vort. Um, finally, uh, Salim just had an edit. I forgot to mention Maeve's tree nut fueled rescue. I couldn't tell if Black Noir is dead or out of commission. My initial sense was the latter, but if he's alive, he's got to come for Maeve and out her as a traitor, right? Well, Mm. interesting, completely. But what we do learn in this episode is that he is in a coma. um, And the suggestion from Homelander, and it's probably more just him flippantly saying it, uh, that he's effectively brain dead. Uh, so it might not be that bad, but he has certainly not um, sort of taken well to having Ullman Joy thrust down his throat. Certainly hasn't. Certainly hasn't. <laughs> thanks so much for your thoughts, Salim. Really good to hear Yeah, you. thanks so much, Salim. Also on Facebook, Dr. Bob Phillips says, can they really get to the end from here in just one more episode? Mm-hmm. What a cracker. And to pick up just three moments. Well, the most evil part has to be child abduction. Biology doesn't make you a parent. Stealing a child is very much wrong. Mm-hmm. The best goody moment 
Huey hacking off the Immolator's hand of Lamplighter to escape from the tower. <laughs> An outstanding moment, just Maeve. At home with takeout, in bed despairing, feeding the dark the nut of doom. <laughs> Indeedly, doodly, uh, the nut of doom uh, comes uh, to haunt the uh, the black noir, uh-huh. um, for sure. Yes, and uh, I think, uh, well, the answer is they have certainly wrapped it up uh, <laughs> here in this final episode, but with some tantalizing... Uh, tentacles being threaded out for the next season. But Absolutely. thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Um, I think probably the uh, the thing that probably put us off the trail was because everybody, I think, that I saw comment on this uh, about the episode was saying Cindy uh, was possibly involved in the head explosions. Yeah, yeah. And if you have to wrap Cindy into the story uh, in the last episode, if you have to wrap her back in and find out her motivations and why she's doing what she's doing and why she chose the people that she was going to kill and all that kind of stuff, then suddenly you have a big story to tell. Whereas with Newman, they're able to go, she's a senator or she's a person that wants to get into government and we all understand her story. We all understand what she wants to gain from it kind of thing. You know, she wants power and that's why she's killing the people around her. Where it's, whereas if it was just a revenge thing from Cindy, you'd probably introduce her in like episode four or five to well, tell that story. Well, I think yeah. it's like Salim said. I mean, at, when we discussed it on the last uh, podcast, um, there was something not quite right as to why she would be helping Vought. Exactly. Um, why she would be doing that, given what they had done to her mm-hmm. and that she was seemingly escaping. So unless she'd been caught again and there was some way that Vought could control her or... It was just revenge, but then you feel it would be Edgar uh, Vogelbaum, who obviously was um, head smashed, um, yeah. and it would even be uh, all the soups rather than going after just randomers. So, um, yeah, that's it's it's a good point. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks so much for that, Dr. Bob. Uh, Jamie Alexander says, Who boy, I knew the hearing would be interesting, but that was (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing. Well done, Jamie. Uh, Final piece of feedback we had over on our Facebook uh, group, on our page, actually, Uh, just to call it out, because I thought it was quite funny. Uh, Dave Harrick says, Guys, how you keep to PG language while covering a show like The Boys is truly outstanding. It's your superpower. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this is the most difficult series to do. I know we've been skirting the line uh, of what we can talk about and what we can say on the podcast. But but I think, you know, the show itself is uh, a show for adults only anyway. So uh, Amazon does push it, but it's just purely for us. We can't keep it going over PG or else the the episode itself will be pulled. And that that pulls our entire feed, as we've said said before on the podcast. So, uh, So we are keeping it as... That's the only reason we're keeping it PG, but the actual content, I'm sure you understand, is about a show that should only be watched by adults. <laughs> it's like a deep sea diver rising up from the deep after many, many uh, moments down underwater. We go to our decompression chamber and we swirl like crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to Dublin. <laughs> Thanks to everybody that's been sharing their feedback over at our Facebook group. Thanks so much for joining us throughout the season. Hopefully, uh, the next show that we cover, you'll be as interested in as the boys. Yeah, thanks so much, everyone, for the feedback. Uh, and thanks, Jamie and Dave, as well, there for those last two bits. Absolutely. We do have one last piece of feedback from Steve Brown on Episode 7 of Season 2 of The Boys. He sent us a voicemail once again. Thanks, Steve. 
Hey guys, it's Steve, uh, and this is for uh, The Boys Season 2, Episode 7, Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker, which, you know, I don't know if it's a it's a play on, was is Tinker Tailor, Soldier, Sailor, is that the same kind of thing? But then there's a John Le novel, you know, that's Tinker Tailor, Soldier, Spy. Anyway, I don't know if it's a play on that, but uh, I just want to make a statement before I finish this second watch through that when you watch it the first time and you've had some beverages... Um, and then you don't send a voicemail after that one and you watch it the second time. It's, it's a little surreal because there's like scenes that you're like, I think I recognize this, but I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly how it turns out. Uh, you know, n- not me saying for a friend. Um, so for my seven moment, I, uh, I have to say, I don't know what that weapon was and I didn't go back and try to watch it again, but whatever, uh, Black Noir was swinging when he hit what he hit. Uh, Starlight with whoa. <laughs> uh, Huey just said we gotta go now. Okay, um, I, I'm off format so much, but I wow, John Noble as Billy Butcher's father, just wow. Okay, so just finished the episode. I guess we're set up for next uh, for next one. Um, where is Ryan? Where did Stormfront and Homelander take him? You know, is it Cindy who's exploding the heads? Because it doesn't see it doesn't seem likely. It doesn't it doesn't track that she would be the one. It, maybe there's another soup that we don't know about who's doing this head exploding thing that did Rainer. You know, she's like Cindy. I I don't know. Um, the next episode. Wow, the last one. Uh, this was the the, the pins pin penultimate. Yeah, that's it. I don't know why they call it that. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. It's queued up next, uh, and I will talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve, for your feedback on the episode. I love it. I love it. Yes, because this is the ultimate episode of The Boys, the final episode of The Boys. Um, so good to hear your thoughts on it. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Gosh, you've had me giggling over penultimate. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm not too sure where that word came from. But... You are probably closest to um, figuring out for this episode, episode eight, that it is another superhero causing Mm -hmm. the head exploding. Don't think we've had that either on the podcast. I think we've all been looking at Cindy, Cindy, Cindy. Um, So, yeah, good spot there for sure. Thanks so much once again, Steve. Hopefully we'll get your thoughts on the final episode for our wrap-up podcast in the next week. Uh, as John mentioned, make sure you send in your your pub quiz answers uh, in time for that wrap-up episode on the uh, somewhere around the 14th. I think we're recording the 14th of October. So, so pop in your answers to the pub quiz questions by then and you get in, in with a chance of getting some boys' goodies. Yeah, not only will we be back with our pub quiz winner and the wrap-up of Season 2 of The Boys, but you can come and join us uh, over on TV Podcast Industries, the dreadful podcast for our final uh, couple of episodes of Lovecraft Country mm-hmm. uh, as well that we're covering there on HBO Max. A shockingly good series. <laughs> really, really good. Loving Lovecraft Country. Can't wait to see the last couple of episodes of that. Thanks so much for joining us to the boys, though. I know season three is going to be a long way away because uh, filming hasn't started again, so... Uh, it could be quite a while before we get back to The Boys Season 3, but it's been an absolute pleasure to be here for this season of The Boys with my lads, John and Chris. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks so much um, 
to the lads for sure. Thank you so much to our fellow boys and girls. As always, it is a pleasure discussing the boys with you. And of course, we can't wait to be back for our next series that we cover, as well as for the boys season three, whenever that may rear its ugly head um, and wonderful head over the parapet of the COVID-19 battlements. (laughs) But with that, remember, fellow boys and girls, keep watching, keep listening, and keep moist. Oh, nice. Bye. Bye.